Okay, let's go. This is Connor. And this is Paul. And, and welcome, welcome to Silver Screamers, your genre-mutating, decade-splicing film podcast. There is a Native American pop proverb that says, inside every person there are two podcasts forever locked in combat for your ears. I think that's the literally the opening line of the film oh, before the, like the Native American one saying that there's this conflict inside you or something is it? I don't know I don't know I can't remember this film <laughs> yeah <laughs> for any of you there's going to be a theme for, for this episode for any of you <laughs> for any of you that watch along with us watch these movies with us and watch the movies before you listen to the episodes uh, sorry <laughs> Sorry for putting you through this. I mean, this is another one like this is like Halloween. It's not as bad as Halloween three, uh, or it's not. not it's but it, it's just it a very meh l- film. Oh, no. It's uh, not. What am I going to say, Paul? What am I going to say? Nothing, Nothing happens. happens. I think this film. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. But I just think this is a very kind of forgettable film that if it was on television, like there's nothing offensive about it. It's just a small little film that... I'd never watch it again if it was on on. No, TV. but what I mean is if this had been on television and we had watched it, oh, this is New Mutants, let's watch it. We wouldn't have been away. We wouldn't have said... We wouldn't was, have turned it off. I no, guess. it would have captured our attention. We would have promptly forgot about it. I wonder, though, is that because it was a film about mutants and sort of in the X-Men world and Maisie, what's-her-face was in it? Maisie Williams, or, yeah. yeah I think there's. I think those are the reasons why we would have prevailed over, you know. I think the offensive thing about this film, because I said it was inoffensive, the offensive thing is just the absolute... The potential that was lost like yes this i thought so i i i when i picked this i i just wanted to do an x-men film and i think we'll talk a bit about the x-men in a minute <clears throat> but the x-men films have always been hit or miss I, I and i think as they went on they got more missy than than hit but there was some gems that, that what i don't know if i agree with that I I do. I, I I suppose I I'm a big X-Men fan and I I feel that they didn't really I feel there was so much wasted potential with some of the since the beginning to be honest. But anyway, we'll get into that. But one of the probably the best X-Men films is Logan. Yes. I think Logan is a really really good movie from any stand. It's just it's, it's a great film. Yeah, great film, great chemistry with the uh, Patrick Stewart and a nice send-off for them both because they said they wouldn't reprise their roles. Yeah, and I actually think that would have been a nice send-off for that for this franchise. To be honest, it, it pretty much. But that film did end on. Do you remember the girl from the Dark Materials? That, that actress's name escapes me, but she played the female clone of Wolverine X twenty three. X twenty three. Yeah, so that whole film is him escorting oh, a, a little yeah, girl yeah, version yeah. of oh, yeah, himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that film ends with like. Was that the one from the Dark Materials? Yeah, that's the same actress, Lyra in oh, Dark right, Materials. Okay. Mm. Yeah, she must have been very young in Logan. Anyway, so that film kind of ends with her. So there's like all these people after her, yeah. like, and Logan ends up dying, but he finally her and a bunch of other kitty mutants escape. Right. So when I heard about this New Mutants film, 
my instinct was like, oh, this is yeah. awesome. We'll get to catch up with her and those other kids. Follow on. And, and, and we'll kind of, that will be the, con- oh, she's not in it. I, don't, I didn't get the feeling that this was in the same universe at all. Well, they, they literally reference the X-Men. Well, I, yes, I know they reference the X-Men, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's in the same universe as those Wolverine, Hugh Jackman movies or the X-Men first class movies. It doesn't feel like it's part of that world, this movie. Why not? I agree with you. Just Why? I suppose maybe because well maybe because it's crap, but maybe because it the direction style is different. They barely use their powers. There's this movie actually is listed as a horror movie. I mean, you can see They're that they were trying to go in that vibe. direction. Um, even though it doesn't really work. So yeah, I just think it was it was a different style, different take, different director, different feel to the movies, which didn't put it in the same universe for me. I mean, I don't know if that's. I agree with you that it doesn't feel in the same universe, but I don't necessarily think the change in direction can be blamed because if you look at the Marvel films, like in terms of tone, they're all over the shop, but they are cohesive. Like to me, this is more similar to X-Men First Class in tone than Winter Soldier is to Guardians of the Galaxy. But because they are both competent, you kind of trust that, yeah, it will work, whatever. But, I know what you mean, but I yeah, I, I, I know I, what you mean, but I I just think this just this seems cheap. I think yeah, it does this seem seems cheap. Ex- it seems like it seems like a student project. Cheap. This actually strikes me. I do I do think from what I've read, <laughs> I read up my IMDb. <laughs> it seems to have been reworked and reshot, and there was all this kind of stuff, and then they they were, they saw the success of it and other horror movies and they wanted to make it more horror-like and they had to do all these reshoots. And then even two years afterwards, they were looking to do reshoots, but then they were like, okay, well, they look older now, so we can't do that. <laughs> this is the problem so you have. It children. just seems like it had problems. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, see, I, I can see what they're going for. Like, with okay, so you got all these, you got all these kids who have like pro- powers, but they kind of, instead of powers... They're, they're, they're more kind of like they're not sure what their powers are and they're still working them and all of them have had negative consequences which is, uh, with their powers which is a big thing in the X-Men universe like Scott Cyclops you know he damaged his eyes when he first yeah. used his powers so that's curse you know and, um, yeah and I mean the, it's, it, it's, it's, it's sort of replicating this idea that these stray kids who can't control their powers who have had bad things happen to them go to this in, in the X-Men's case, they went to a school where they learned to use their powers. Yeah. And this facility that they're in is kind of... The inverse. The inverse of that. And it's pre- pretending to be that, but it's not. Yeah, but there's some real flaws because... well, First of all, you just find yourself questioning so much. Like, okay, so, well, before we're kind of getting straight into the plot here. So do you want to just tell people what we're listening to? <laughs> Because there's, there's no there's no dancing around like oh how did you come across this film we watched it last week <laughs> <laughs> so Connor what are we listening to you're listening to Silver Screamers Silver Screamers is our film podcast where we take a theme or genre and dissect four films in that theme or genre from four different decades and this week we're covering the New Mutants from our superhero series superhero season uh, the finale of our superhero seasons yeah. and similar kind of to the X-Men franchise it's kind of petering out it's with this a bit film. of a bum <laughs> note to end on it's like when you have this nice kind of concerto going along and then at the end you just go <laughs> 
do you want to do the, the synopsis? Okay, I'll do the 240. Okay. Are you ready? Ready. Are you steady? Steady. Go! So we're introduced to this kid, Danny, who's running away from this big tornado, and her dad pushes her behind a bush, and she goes unconscious, and she survives, and she wakes up in this facility and is told that her whole village and parents are all dead. Uh, by Dr. Reyes, who says that she is a mutant and she has abilities and that she's a little bit dangerous and she needs to help her to, to control them. And there's four or five other people here in this facility uh, who have abilities and who are learning to use them. Uh, she is put in a room which kind of looks like a hospital room or a prison and there's cameras everywhere. Uh, she meets these four other people, Rain, uh, Ileana, Roberto and da- Sam. Yeah. Um, and they say oh yeah we're not leaving here they try and escape but there's force fields all around the place they do these group therapy sessions where Dr. Reyes says tries to calm them down tries to bring out their powers and gets them to control their powers but it's clear that they can't do that Um, some of the students start having hallucinations Sam starts uh, who is cannonball uh, starts dreaming about uh, a mine and his dad in this mine and his dad dies it turns out that he ended up killing his dad in that mine Another guy, Roberto, it turns out that uh, he has these flame abilities and he killed his girlfriend. Whenever <laughs> he gets hot and sexy. Yeah, he gets hot and sexy in a pool. Um, Ileana and uh, the uh, Danny have a bit of a falling out and it turns out that she has some powers, some mystical powers. Uh, she starts seeing these creepy guys with smiley faces and the love of her life, um, Maisie, uh, Williams um, is uh, she had an encounter with a priest who branded her with a W as a wolf and one um, minute left and um, anyway, they, they get on that's their trauma <laughs> um, they drug Dr. Ray so they can have a bit of fun where they don't use their powers they have a bit of a dance she comes to she gets word from this higher up people that uh, your one Danny is a bit of a, a terror because what's actually happening is that these uh, she is bringing out these people's deepest darkest fears and dreams and they, they can actually hurt people um, she brings her to a laboratory where she's about to kill her but the uh, uh, the wolf one rain figures this out, goes in, scratches uh, the doctor and saves her. Danny gets really scared and this tornado comes through which kind of killed her parents and her village and it turns out to this this big demon bear that she's told us that she's scared of which kills the doctor and starts destroying the school and starts attacking all these students. They then use their powers to try and uh, kill this bear but they can't so Danny wakes up and she says oh hey I'm not scared anymore so the bear is defeated and goes away and they all become friends the doctor's dead who was trying to kill Danny uh, so the force fields come down because it turns out she was a mutant as well with these force fields and they all live happily ever after that's about it yeah I mean we one presumes well they go off I, I, I would off. have thought they would go and find the X-Men I guess but who knows <laughs> yeah so I think we we it's fair to say this we both agree this film doesn't sucks. fundamentally doesn't work. No, it sucks. I don't it sucks, don't, Paul. Just say it. You no, don't want I, to say it, but I, just say it. I I don't I think it doesn't work. I think there's parts like there's one part I do like, I suppose. And I'll come to that later. But when I want when I go to see an X-Men movie, when I go to see a Marvel Mutants movie, I expect powers, I expect abilities, I expect shit to be flying everywhere. I expect there to be a bit of drama and a bit of love and a bit of this and that and the other. And for the majority of this movie, you get none of that. When Even when they drug the doctor, 
and put her to sleep so they can, you know, have a good time. They dance around the halls. They do, don't even use their powers. There's literally... And the reason is because the fucking, they had no budget. Like, there's a literally an identical scene in first class when they all start partying. Yes. And Beast is, like, hanging from the ceiling at his yeah. feet and the angel Banshee girl is, is screaming and the glass is breaking. Yeah, and, yeah. and then there's the guy, Darwin, who's the evolutionary powers, who's, like, getting everyone to use their powers on him and his body adapts. And you, you, you get to see their personalities through their powers. In this, it could just be the breakfast club. It literally, it literally just is could. Just yeah. A, yeah. And I also found myself going, I feel like the doctor would, would be fine with this. I mean, you were playing the yeah. the lie detector altogether. I mean, I guess oh. she, she has them imprisoned. They probably know that she's not a very nice person. No. You yeah. know, she's all about control and all this kind of stuff. But like, she wasn't preventing them from spending time together. Mm. She actually, in fact, actively encourages Danny to spend more time with Rain. She's like, she's yeah. a good influence. So... I would have re- that that was that would have been the scene to be like okay let's see them using their powers maybe irresponsibly mm. <gasps> heavens heavens above, like forbid that like maybe your woman says you are not allowed to use your powers outside of training yeah and then they use their powers and they have no yeah, yeah. Have nobody no strings attached anymore and they they let loose a bit yeah I think there's a few other issues with this film as well it is so so first of all Danny obviously has her whole uh, well, reservation is everybody's killed on that reservation and it's terrible oh, she's native american yeah yeah, yeah. And everyone Moon, moonstar yeah. yeah and everybody is killed and it's horrific and then she wakes up in this facility so and she's handcuffed and so instantly we're like okay this is this girl's in trouble mm. and i to me it would have had the nurse lady or the doctor lady or we'll talk with her in a minute had she been like really genuinely nice and yeah. had she not been handcuffed and had it been a lovely pretty room and had she been really genuinely warm to Danny and totally empathetic and I kind of felt like that actress who played the doctor she wasn't she was a bit super, of nothing she, she wasn't she super, wasn't like super bad she no, wasn't super nice she was kind of neutral and she was kind of like she had when the her what did she call her superiors said you need to kill Danny you know, you could see in her that she was conflicted about it, but then was going to do it anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, she was a bit, she was a bit weak sauce. Yeah. So, so I wish they had gone and gone further in, in either direction, either made her this really evil person that the kids were terrified of because they weren't scared of her. They weren't scared of her. The, the, the scariest thing is a person who is very, very calm and collected, who's a bit twisted and very cruel. That, that's very yeah. kind of had they actually do you know actually had they taken the approach of Mrs. Coulter in The Dark Materials that's who I actually thought of yeah yeah like do you know where she both Nicole Kidman and oh Ruth Wilson oh my, my mind has gone blank the actress who plays her in the TV show oh I can't anyway, it doesn't matter both of them with that character of Mrs. Coulter in in start off being so charismatic and so warm and you and the character uh, liar falls in love with her and wants to spend time with her and then over time starts to realize actually this is a cage it's a very comfortable and luxurious yeah. cage but that would have been a mo- so then there's this slow dawning of horror that then creeps up on you and then there's kind of almost a bit of gaslighting then from kind of like why do you want to escape have i not done loads of good things for you and that that's much more exciting writing yeah uh, it's much it's much more um unsettling i guess if for example danny uh wanted to stay here 
you know, it was a but then once she wanted to leave and realized she couldn't leave, yes, that's yes, more terrifying. Yes. Um, but right away, in, almost immediately, the doctor says, oh, Ileana, show her around the grounds. She goes and tries to run off and she hits a force field. So you know she's in a cage yeah, and she's trapped. There's no tension. I also found myself going, well, ha- what was the time period between her passing out after her reservation was destroyed and her waking up in the hospital and how did this hospital find her and I had a, and that could have been a fun mystery and like had Danny actually questioned it, well, how, how much time has passed but they don't even address it they're just like the film isn't they're interested just they're just yeah. like not interested also I was kind of going well how long have the other kids been here and you know I think it would have been fine to push over that if there was other stuff to fill the void but they were brushing over things like that for not much else story. You know, no, story yeah, it's just because it didn't really want to deal with that. Yeah. Then also, this this hospital is massive. There's only five kids, so I then found myself going, "Well, did the other four kids had they said, oh, there was there was another person here who's who's graduated, I think, and then they find you know letters." you know like, you know the woman says oh you can write them letters and then they you know and the, this mm. is like still on coming up on the spot here but you know to create a bit of tension that oh yeah we're writing letters to this we're getting responses yeah let's say it's yeah. jubilee because you know mm. that's a, a mutant that hasn't really been in many of the films that we all know oh jubilee is, has graduated yay oh can i write to her sure yeah and then they find the letters in her office later on and that would have been had they had the party when when they drugged your woman had they been partying and having a great time and then suddenly found found that then suddenly yeah like that this is all this is like basic yeah you see i don't think this movie knew what it wanted to be no and it wanted to be a bit of horror and it wanted to be a bit of action mystery and it ended up being a flavor of everything so you know no definite direction yeah you know i I also think (laughs) i understand that when you make a comic book film you can't just cater for the comic book crowd it's too small a crowd you have to cater for the masses and and you can't do that like like i think this this to me had the air of like a a pilot a tv pilot for a teen superhero team and the 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 equivalent of that that i could compare to would be umbrella academy yeah yeah umbrella academy now granted that's a whole tv show but even the first episode of umbrella academy is infinitely more interesting and none of those characters nobody knew who any of them were uh but even in the in the first episode maybe the first couple of episodes i don't think you really see their powers all that much because it's it's character building and you know it will get somewhere. yeah well yeah that, that's true yeah. um and you're right this for that reason again this feels like a pilot episode of a tv show which at the end of it maybe you know at the end of this movie you see that they do they have go powers on adventures and, yeah yeah you know, they yeah, do yeah. stuff yeah, and it kind of has this air of maybe maybe TV movie kind of thing. very TV movie. Yeah, but what what I meant when I was saying that I know it can't cater to comic books. I also think it has to have a little. I think these films really should have an, a nod and a wink to the people who know these characters. So and Marvel are very good for doing that. There's always little Easter eggs there yeah. that this film is essentially spoiled from the beginning if you know anything about this because. I know Danny Moonstar's powers are that she manifests your nightmares. 
Well, I mean, I, I knew, I didn't know that but at the start of watching this movie, but I knew whatever killed her parents was what was happening, and I knew she was the cause of it. Well, I yeah, I suppose, yeah, I mean, it, it's not, but I think they frame that as a twist. Like, yeah. it's her powers. But for, I, th- I really feel like at that moment, I was kind of going, well... Well, I know that because I know Danny Moonstar's powers. Yeah. Yeah. They had kept on saying, "Oh, she hasn't. She doesn't know what her powers are. She doesn't know." What, I mean, obviously, we all knew it was something to do with the first scene. Yeah, but yeah. in just in regards to the fact that Sam was then having visions of the coal mine, and Ileana was having visions of the Smiley Man, and they were all having their worst nightmares. I knew that was Danny's power. And did you? Yeah, I worked it out pretty quickly. I mean, I worked. I I didn't exactly know. That it was their dreams. Well, I kind of did actually. Yeah, I think I did work it out. I, I I knew that whatever they were seeing was as a result of Danny. Yeah. Okay. okay. And I knew that whatever at the start killed her family and you know destroyed the reservation, that was because of her. I mean, I, I kind of worked that out very quickly. There was no major reveal here. Yeah. I was actually more interested in Ileana and the Smiley Men. Which I feel is the only one you don't get any backstory in. Which you don't figure find out what that's about. No, you never do. Kind of was getting into maybe she was abused or something as a kid, and this is kind of a, a, a terrible monster she had built up in her head, but you don't really find out. Yeah, I mean, even that seems borrowed from The House on Haunted Hill. Do you remember there yeah. was a smiley monster yeah. in that, and it turns out it was an abused child who had seen, like, the carving in some wood above her bed? Yeah. But, like... And that, then, so when you then saw it, you're like, well, that's upsetting, but that makes, that kind of ties everything together. Well, for this, it was just like, oh, here's some spooky it's imagery some, yeah. that we've seen before. Yeah. Uh, we, we talk about Eliana, because I think she's almost unwatchable. As we, yeah, okay, let's talk about it. So, Eliana, what's her Mirage or something? Or what's no, her? Mirage is Danny Moonstar. Oh, right. So what's Eliana's name? Magic. Not you, Magic. Our dog has got magic. Magic with a K. Magic. Okay. And she is Colossus's sister. Yeah. So she's kind of... I don't know her character very in-depth, but I know of her. So so that's Eliana Rasputin. So she was a little girl, uh, much, much younger than Colossus. And then her... Now, I, I, I mightn't be 110% accurate, but her mutant power, I think, is that she can teleport, but not like Nightcrawler. She can kind of teleport through different dimensions. Well, mind you, Nightcrawler can do that as well, but primarily her, that's her thing. And I think when she was very young, when her powers manifested, she she went into another dimension, Limbo. Right. And she got stuck there. Okay. And this was like a magical realm. And when she was in this realm, she like learned loads of magic. Okay. And then she was stuck there for about seven or eight years. And then she came back as a teenager, but no time had passed in... Kind our, of our timeline. Right, so okay. she, so Colossus came back, and she was a teenager. But in the meantime, she had developed all these cool sorceress powers, such as the sword and stuff. So okay. I think that's magic, the character. Right. Yeah. Mm. But in regards to this film, like her personality is, she's racist and just, just not horrible. Yeah. Just like it's. I, you don't actually. Okay, so. And this is another, this is probably another problem. You don't figure out why she's there or how she no. got there. I don't think they go into that, do they? No, I don't think like they the, do. Like the, the Brazilian fella, Roberto, he put himself there. His I parents think, did. His parents did yeah. because he accidentally blew up his mm-hmm. girlfriend. Um, obviously, the other guy, Cannonball, 
destroyed the mine and killed a load of people. So I don't know. He was shipped off yeah. there. And I'm not entirely sure about Maisie Williams, but she confessed to a. She's very religious and confessed to a priest that she could morph into a wolf. A wolf, yeah. And he called her a witch and branded her with a W. And then presumably he shipped her off here. You don't really find out about Ileana and how she came to be here, but it seems to me that given she can teleport into different dimensions, she would not be trapped here. Yeah, that seemed like a pretty fundamental plot hole. Yeah. That they could have... It would have been so simple to have a throwaway line for some reason. My teleport powers yeah. can't take me out of here. Her force field blocks my teleporting yeah, powers. Like, even, or even had they had Danny be like... When she says, I'm the most powerful one here, Danny could have said, well, you're not powerful enough to teleport out, are you? Yeah. yeah. Something. She's just like really unpleasant from the get-go. She, uh, I And I don't find that type of... I don't find that interesting. To, she's just... Danny is perfectly pleasant from the start. And she's just incredibly antagonistic. Like, racist. She says... Like, she calls her Pocahontas. She says, don't you people like buffalo? Um, <laughs> she says something like, oh, what kind of Indian are you? Because you can't, like, plant weed or you don't smoke weed or something. Mm-hmm. It's just... And then she doesn't ever have a redemption. She just kind of... You find out that she has some pain and then she she doesn't and then she has a kick-ass scene and we're meant to be like oh yay she kind of yeah she she kind of saves the day but not really so then i guess we're meant to say oh well she's okay by us because she was able to try and kick that big bear's ass yeah um she doesn't apologize never apologizes she has no arc i mean i guess you could say she stops being horrible all the time there is a turning point where she's being really horrible and Danny's having none of it and they get into an altercation and then she continues to be a bit horrible but by the time they're dancing around the halls they've kind of let it go it seems but you don't have any any reconciliation or any kind of talk or anything you know where they go where she says oh I was horribly abused and I'm very sorry and she goes oh it's okay whatever Uh, I I felt like yeah, I also think that actress is Anya uh, um, Taylor Joy. She she just won a Golden Globe. Fuck off F- for the the Queen's Gambit, the chess uh, thing that everyone keeps saying is amazing. Oh, that's where I know her from. Yeah, she did she look was, like she was good in that. She was. Oh, she, she's meant that we we should watch that. It's meant to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Also, she was in the the Witch. <laughs> <laughs> that no, we the knew. Bitch. The bitch. Yeah, she's she amazing in that. She, was she shit in this. Is a fantastic actress, and it just goes to show you how. A crap I told you before, direction. Well, it's all about direction. About and, a, and a script, like a, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, they all had the same bad script. They made something. I don't think all the actors were particularly no, I bad. Think, no, I do think her character. I think was she good. maybe she just had an issue with playing the the scripts. Probably said she's a wagon. And, you know, she read these racist lines and then she just turned into this horrible teenage antagonistic bitch and it just didn't work. There's a way to play that. Like my favorite, one of my favorite X-Men characters is Emma Frost, Mm. who is very antagonistic with the other X-Men. But she's written, generally when she's written well, it comes off as she's not actually being horrible for the sake of being horrible she's just really impatient with anybody who's not being super competent so you know when they're on a mission and someone says something she's just like that's 
you know she'll put she'll she'll just knock them down and she'll be like no that's ridiculous and she's really competent and she's really clever and she's really passive not i wouldn't even say passive aggressive kind of like uh, meryl streep's character in the devil wears prada you know that kind of yeah no that's, yeah very impatient no time no time for bullshit and uh a bit of a bitch to yeah i suppose yeah but at this, but that, but that, and that can that can be a really entertaining. There's no reason why that isn't entertaining. But when it's written this one-dimensional and it's just sarky teenage, as, yeah, for the sake of it, yeah. um, no, yeah, like with okay, Devil Wears Prada, you can see that she's probably had to be a particular way to get where she is in life, and she's very busy, very powerful, very rich, and just wants to get stuff done has no time for bullshit and has no time for people who don't understand her industry there's none of that backstory here that says why are you racist (laughs) why are you racist why are you a bitch why are you disgusting to this new person apart from the fact that you just are yeah like even if she had like if they had shown that she was kind of fond of Ray Rain Rain and then she yeah, saw that, yeah. like her, her, like Rain was drifting from her when Danny oh, came. That could have been interesting. Um, lesbian, tr- you know. Well, I don't even like love triangle or something. Even if she just, I mean, like that is like in that kind of in, a, in an environment like with that, with so few of you, like she had a she had a friend, and then you know how many people get annoyed with their friends when they're in a new relationship because they've no time for them anymore. That would have been a magic drinking beside us. For anybody who likes uh, craft beers out there. Wicklow Wolf Wildfire Hoppy Red Ale is delicious. Can I have a taste? Yeah. <laughs> We're not. This isn't a sponsor video. Yeah, I know. We're not even sponsored. <laughs> they better sponsor us now or give us something. Yeah. I, I'm going to be very true to Tag them in it. <laughs> Tag them on this podcast. Mm. Oh, Connor, I, I, um, I think that's lovely. Wicklow that, Wolf Woodfire Hoppy Red Ale. And where can you buy that, Connor? In all good retailers, but I got it in super value. And how much is for four cans? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I guess maybe it was like one fifty to your one fifty a can. Probably more than that. But you know what? If you go onto their website and order four cans and put silver, that's S I L V. No, you don't get a discount. <laughs> don't advertise that. That's false advertising. You can't do that. <laughs> Give me back my ale. I'm going to edit this out. Maybe I won't. <laughs> no, don't. Anyway, okay. There we go. There's our little magic had a drink, so we just wanted to talk about nonsense. Anyway, uh, so... <laughs> what about else have we been talking? Anna, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy uh, I, is a great actress yeah. who just Better really look next time, Anya. Congratulations on the goal. Yeah. Thankfully, this film has done so badly that I don't think anyone... Well, thankfully, it only came out in 2020 and she had done other work, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, will we talk then briefly about uh, Rain? Yeah, because I think, I think Rain is the, the, the best part of this film. To be, I would agree, Maisie Williams, well done. I don't think there's much to say about Roberto and Sam, to be honest. They, have, they provide nothing. Nothing. I, uh, so Roberto provides a bod shot because he's... So Sexy Brazilian. Roberto is played by Henry Zaga. So he's Sunspot is his character, and he gets really hot and bothered, and like basically is the Human Torch, but he can't fly. Sunspot. I mean, Solar Flare would be a much better name. Anyway, yeah. 
and yeah, he. It doesn't even look like he can shoot fire. He just kind of goes molten or something. Yeah, I'm not. Maybe he can't shoot, shoot fire. Actually, maybe he can just go molten. Which is, is probably why he's called Sunspot. That makes more sense. Yeah, um, and in the con- he was always like, it, he wouldn't be like red like the Human Torch. He'd be like black, almost like black, and then fire on the around the out, like, like lava. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Um, actually, there was a character called Magma on the team as well who was also fiery. I forgot about her. In this film, I mean, I feel like. 80% of his scenes, he's washing dishes. Yeah, he's got this character thing going on where he doesn't want to talk about what happened. Fair well, enough. That's pretty painful. much all of them. Well, he he in particular. Like, even when Sam tells him about his tragedy, he kind of walks off and doesn't want to talk about it. Which he, is weird because the implication is that they've all been there a while. Yeah, yeah. Then there's this scene where he's like, so how did you get here? So it's like, oh, okay, so you're only just here. Yeah, I guess they are all reliving what they've done, so it kind of brings it out, you know, they want to talk about it. But other than that, I think he's only there to be a bit of eye candy. He doesn't really bring anything to the team. To no. the, he doesn't, he's not, fair, he, get, he gets a bit fired up when he experiences... Uh-huh. <laughs> um, girlfriend attacking him in the swimming pool um doesn't really do much in the battle either no he doesn't really he just stands there and goes Wah! yeah really like, the action scenes in this film are terrible the not great. only I magic the bear looked pretty good the bear looked fantastic yeah, but they didn't the they didn't went. utilize it enough the okay. bear was really really looked good i think magic had some fun scenes Yes. Every time I say that, our dog looks over. That's our dog's name. But I don't. I don't actually remember a sunspot doing anything. I no. don't remember him doing anything with the bear. No, he just kind of went molten and then just, I think, threw some stuff. Maybe. Yeah. And then uh, so Sam is cannonball. He did he, a bit more. A bit more. I. That's Charlie Heaton. I'm not crazy about him. He he's in Stranger Things, and I think he's one of the weaker characters in Stranger Things I think he kind of plays the same character in this as he does in Stranger Things which is a bit funny and a bit quiet and a bit reserved and yeah well sunken can't wait to watch yeah what yeah. an exciting role mm. now he does kind of have some scenes like he, he kills those smiley monsters with his cannonball I, I always felt cannonball's power was kind of a silly power I never really liked it in the comics I always felt it was I just I just, I, I was, I just found I'd he can just move really fast and like break shit. Yeah, like, like I don't even. It's like they can move. Like he can kind of propel, propel. Yeah, like fly. But like I think I don't know how much control he has when he is propelling. But yeah. he is almost. Un- I think he's like his. I'm nigh invulnerable when I'm blasting. Right. And he's yeah. from the south. That's like eighty percent of his personality is that. Was this? He's did he? Play, did south. this guy play him as from the south? I don't remember him having. A, I mean, having the coal mines. There's yeah. oh, oh, they they play like a little section of Loretta like Lynn. <laughs> Loretta Lynn. Oh, they play. Well, it's the coal miner's daughter, and he's the coal miner's son. Yeah, like, yeah. Ah, yeah. Ah, oh, that's clever filmmaking. Yeah, But, and they do it with kind of an echo, so it's spooky coal mines, darling. But even those scenes, like the scenes in the coal mine and the scenes on the reservation, they're they're so 
dark. It it's so obvious. It's just a studio. They didn't even fucking go to an actual coal mine, or they didn't even go to like a reservation. Like a like these aren't crazy expensive locations. I think actually everything was filmed in this. Uh, it was a mental institution or a former mental institution, and I think it might have been abandoned. So I think they filmed everything there. Did it kind of reminded me a little bit of Nightmare on Elm Street three? Uh, it's not as good as that actually. You know, that's the one in the mental. That? That's the one in the mental institution where uh, Nancy comes back, and there's like six kids in this mental institution, and we only saw this. Oh like, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, Freddy Dream kind Master. Of drew, Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors. Oh, yeah. And Freddy kind of one by one kills them, and then Nancy is like, "We have powers in our dreams," mm. and it's, it's we good. Can, we can, yeah. We I can think it's my favorite nightmare film. Apart there's from the a first. one, the main one in that, she's in like CSI now or something. And she's no, no, the main one of that is a huge actress. She won an Oscar like two years ago. It's um, oh, what's her name? Oh, she she was in Boyhood. Patricia Arquette. Yeah, Patricia Arquette is the main one in that apart from Nancy Heather Lachlan Lachlan Medium that's where I know her from yeah she was in Medium is that a TV show? it was a TV show in the sort of mid 2000s and Patricia Arquette is in it yeah oh Patricia Arquette will be a big actress though yeah no I know I just I I knew her from a TV show I couldn't remember what it was she won an Oscar yeah she won an Oscar for Boyhood we're kind of getting off topic. Anyway. Uh, okay. So, so that's talk- Sam and Roberto. Well, not really let's talk about so Rain talk for a sec. Because I think Maisie Williams, I have to say, I prejudged Maisie Williams. Because she's great in Game of Thrones as Arya mm. Stark. But she played Arya Stark for when she was like eight. No, I'm not quite eight, but not far off it, to be honest. She thought she was just going to be... I thought this was Arya going to be Stark. Arya Stark. And I thought she was going to be all... The, I actually because I think we see we see um, Ileana give Danny some kind of sass before we get to hear her. Yeah. And I thought it was just going to be the mean girls, and she was going to be she, not that Arya Stark was a mean girl, but I thought she'd be like, yeah. And she played her with this gentleness and this empathy, and with a brilliant Scottish accent. Oh, I, I was well. I mean, I wouldn't know. You would know better. I've, Feel like but, I mean she, she it was consistent totally consistent and she was yeah and, and it was and it was very it wasn't like a hit man I got a fucking no it wasn't a parody it was accent. very very uh, subtle and, yeah yeah and to be fair like had they just not made wolf so that's Wolfsbane is her yeah. had they made. Wolfsbane not Scottish like nobody would have minded or noticed they should have called her Huskybane because it wasn't a wolf she was turning into it was like a husky <laughs> had they made her just English or just given her nobody would have said oh that's you know yeah, yeah. but no she was like no I can do this and I actually think the the best thing about this film is her relationship with Danny and it is never like sometimes gay relationships in films have this air of tragedy about them and like one of them dies you know I mean we, we literally see Buffy uh, sorry we see Willow and Tara kissing from Buffy oh in this movie actually yeah, yeah. Um, and like that's famously like you know ends in tragedy with the death of Tara and that off that's that is spoiler a spoiler alert <laughs> spoiler for Buffy yeah. uh, but that is a kind of a trope with gay characters and things like this is that one of them they, it, they end in tragedy and there's sadness and they're do, it's kind of doomed love 
and that's not the case and literally from the time they kiss and it's never like oh i don't know i'm like hey there's no like yeah and there's not this big build up or it's a very very normal undramatic blossoming of a romance and as soon as they kiss they're just girlfriends they're holding hands for the rest of the film nobody else is like I, I expected a bur- uh, like one of the lads Ileana to be like, to be oh, like, yeah, Ileana oh, to you're be. You're an Indian and you're a lesbian. Yeah, or something. Uh, uh, sleep you're with one eye open or something, yeah. or not sharing the shower. Or the boy used to be like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that like, your boy voice, Paul? That's my boy voice. <laughs> I just, I was kind of, because the film isn't exactly subtle, or, or you know, I don't think, as I've, you said, the writing isn't exactly deft. So I was just waiting for it, and it never happened. Mm. And I never thought either girl was like overly sexualized. There is the scene in the showers where like you see like them from behind, but like I don't. At the same time, I didn't feel it was too gazy. No, I actually, I actually thought it was uh, a fun scene because they're both there and they both kind of have a little side eye going on, just looking at the other one. I thought her. So she had one of the best scenes in the movie, which was probably one of the most horror esque scenes kind of like from psycho or something so she went to a bishop it seems i thought it was a priest but actually a bishop and said bless me father for i was in did a confession said i can turn into a wolf and the bishop said oh you're a big witch here's and got a brand and branded her with a w and then that that because danny brings out these nightmares and your worst fears that is replayed then for us which is a horrible scene yeah horrible scene and it's very very scary and she gets branded again with an m <laughs> yeah so that's meant to be a mutant no i thought it was just meant to be an upside down w i know but i think because it was i think it was kind of meant to be a play on like oh, it was which no, i but thought then, it was meant to be like Maisie williams no i think it was meant to be mutant <laughs> like mw mutant wolf Maisie williams anyway i mean i don't know i don't, I don't, I don't think know. so very, I, I don't think this film is meta. That clever. <laughs> is meta enough, yeah. Yeah, no, and I, so I think Maisie Williams is the... I mean, we haven't really talked about Danny. I think she was fine. I don't mm. think she was... Well, Maisie Williams is the actual hero of this because she saves Danny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She scratches the hell out of... Her yeah. wolf's hands look so cheap. Her ho- it looks like a Halloween costume. It looks like a really bad Halloween costume. Um... Scratch the hell out of the doctor and then kind of, you know, gave her the Prince Charming or Princess Charming kiss at the end that woke Danny up to save the day or whatever. You know, it's a bit silly. But yeah. And then Danny then does the kind of the Moana calming down yeah. of the big bear. Who who did look, you're right, the bear looked incredible. Best thing of the movie. Yeah, that's literally where they blew their budget is on the bear. I liked the, having said that, I did like um, Ileana's power when she kind of opened these portals and you kind of got a glimpse into this limbo area or whatever. I thought that was quite cool. Also, if she can go into this limbo place and there's people there teaching sorcery, could she not have gone, lads, would you give us a hand with this big bear? (laughs) I mean, I feel like this Ileana didn't, Hmm. I I mean, they didn't even explain her powers. Like Like having a sword is a very weird power to have in a kind of a part of your biological mm. evolution um i mean you so, i mean even wolf's bane is a silly like you know a mutant power to turn into another animal 
Well, I was we've been watching the X Men, the uh, the TV cartoon from the nineties uh, on our lunch breaks, and there was uh, what's the one that can turn into the Arctic Snowbird? Snowbird, and I was like, that's very specific <laughs> mutation. That the, one, I'm going to turn into that animal. Yeah, you know? I think I have a feeling Snowbird. So Snowbird is part of Alpha Flight, who are can, like kind of like the Canadian uh, Avengers, <laughs> the Irksman Man, or no, what is it? What? What's all that about? I'm trying to say X Men in a Canadian accent. <laughs> I thought it was Jamaican. Yeah, well, it's Jamaican. Yeah. <laughs> so I think she. I don't necessarily know if they're all mutants on Alpha Flight. She might have like some sort of mystical power to turn into like animals of her country or something. Because I think her <laughs> animals of her country. Because I have a feeling she can't leave Canada. I think that's like. Or her powers go away. No, I think she or she'll die. Ridiculous. I just have a feeling that that like is part of her. I just remember seeing that's a shit power. I just have a feeling like she couldn't like. I, I just have a memory of a comic where like she's chasing someone in the X Men, and they're like, as soon as we cross the border, she won't be able to cross because her powers. How will. does she know that? I Surely the I only reason know. you'd know that is if you cross the border and died. <laughs> I don't know. Seeing as we're talking about Snowbirds, I think we're we've pretty much. Is there anything else about this movie we need to talk about? Like, maybe Josh Boone? So the director? No, do you know what? It was a very mediocre... He looks about 30 and he's actually 42. It says says on IMGb that he is a big uh, Marvel X-Men fan. I didn't see an awful lot of love for the material here, to be honest. And I don't think that comes through in this. And maybe he was disappointed in this he's done some other movies he did Not The much. Fault in Our Stars which is by all accounts a very good movie I mean I don't know I mean the book is very famous I I, I haven't seen the film I mean the film okay well, I know you don't trust IMDB scores but 7.7 I mean it's up there it's, it's, it's uh, yeah he hasn't he really hasn't done that many he's only directed four so I mean to be fair to this film it it seemed like it it was in production hell when it got made they got so many callbacks then also it was made at the very tail end of of when fox was absorbed by marvel marvel so like when this was be- like so when like disney owned it di- when it was ready for release finally after a couple of setbacks the company that are now disney were looking at it going in a couple of years we're going to reboot this franchise yeah. We don't, you know, we have no interest in this. So I think it was released in some cinemas alongside like Tenet. So it really went under the radar. I did not on I Disney mean, Plus. I, I remember hearing about this. I don't remember it in the cinema. I don't remember seeing any publicity yeah. about it. No, I don't think it had any. It's not an. Um, it's not even on Disney Plus. Yeah, like which to me seems just bonkers like a new film that they have rights to that anyway so they're I, I it's almost like they're trying to kind of bury it yeah which must be really tough on the cast yeah the cast but well the cast are probably like a oh, shit maybe but the director i think mostly you well know, i mean to, to spend a lot of time yeah. on this uh, like years and to spend people coming back and all the rest of it and doing reshoots and then it just gets buried. Yeah. I mean, like Maisie and Anya, they're grand. They're going to, they have good. They, I, I, yeah. I mean, good. I don't think they give a shit. And your one, who uh, played Eliana, she's off making 
Well, that's that's Anya, Golden Globes. That's Anya. The other fella's in what's the thing? Stranger, uh, things. Stranger things. So he's Grant and but Roberto. for Blue Hunt, so Blue Hunt plays Danny, and like she is the main character in it. Like this was her first leading role. I I think she did a good job. Yeah, but like for her, it must she must have been disappointed that yeah. like this film was essentially buried. Does she have anything else on the on the cards? Um, she's in a two she, TV series. She's twenty six. She, she doesn't look twenty six. Gosh, she looks way younger. Of course, she made this probably about five years ago. Yeah, true. <laughs> anyway, we didn't really talk that much about Danny, but I don't think there's much more there's to not say. Much to say, she's very much the main character who is the standard for other more interesting characters. Yeah. Um, to kind of bounce off that being said the o- the only interesting character in this film is actually Rain yeah she's and Maisie one. Williams' performance it's really hard to play gentle and empathetic and still be charismatic and and Maisie Williams did that yeah so and I, I this film has made me kind of go Maisie Williams actually could make it make it mm. and I actually think this might be a nice little transition it's important for actors like her to Try and break out of yeah. Arya Stark. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Know? And I think one of the ways that actors do that, for example, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, for example, he was the young, cute kid on Third Rock from the Sun. He then did a couple of movies, which were decent-sized movies, and then went away for ages and did a load of indie, finding yourself, dramatic shite to build on his acting skills to sort of build on his craft and then made a return I think to Hollywood superstardom mm, I think Robert Patterson is doing the, that exact thing and Robert Patterson he's, seems to have done he's the same, yeah. gone he's had a really interesting career trajectory and I think you could say to a less successful degree Daniel Radcliffe has had the similar kind of Okay, after Harry Potter, I'm not just going to do. I'm going to do some weird indie. I mean, he did. He also Daniel Radcliffe. I heard say, you know, he really wanted to do theatre because he didn't feel like a true actor until he did theatre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he went and did Equus and was like naked riding horses on on stage. So that there you go, Maisie. Go go on when when the theatre's open. Go off and. Ride some horses on on stage. Well, this could be an interesting transition to talk about the future of X-Men because I actually think Maisie Williams would be a really interesting rogue. Do you think they're going to bring her back as another character now that she's been in this thing? Oh, I I think this film is such a small film. Absolutely. Like, sure, look, Chris Evans was in the original Fantastic Four. Oh, that's true. And that had a sequel. That was a much bigger hit. Uh, I think, I don't think that would harm her chances at all. And so what I would like to see with the future of the X-Men, and we kind of briefly talked about this earlier, but I would like to see Storm introduced in Black Panther 2. Yeah. And I'd like to see, if they're ever going to make another Hulk film, I'd like to see a Wolverine in that. And I would like Mystique to be the bad guy in a future Captain Marvel film and have Rogue in that as a villain. Ro- okay, because Rogue was initially a villain. So Rogue, so Mystique was initially a Captain Marvel, well, a Miss Marvel at the time, mm. Miss Marvel villain, and her daughter, her adopted daughter was Rogue. And at that stage, Rogue's powers were just, that if she touched you, she absorbed your power. Yeah. And she absorbed Miss Marvel's power, but for whatever reason, it stuck. And well, I think she absorbed it to the point that Miss Marvel was dead, essentially. No, she didn't She die. was comatose. I don't think she went into a coma. 
Oh, I think she was comatose for years. Not for years, no, because she like went to the X Men. Miss Marvel like spent a lot of time with the X Men afterwards and was like really depressed and went to space with them and then got her new powers. Uh, I thought she was comatose after. She, she might have been in a coma I for a short while. She held on for so long that she absorbed her powers permanently, while also causing her to. Well, I thought put, be put into a coma. No, well, if it was, if she was in a coma, it was a very very short amount of time because Miss Marvel was powerless with the x-men for a time and was like talking about well, i think it. she came out of her coma and was still powerless well it wasn't years definitely wasn't years i don't know i'm gonna i'm gonna but we can do it right now that's, that's <laughs> fine out this is one of these times when paul gets irritated when i'm challenging him because i i well, think i know something and he's probably going to be right and go yeah i told you yeah <laughs> okay um, in this story, Danvers is revealed to have returned to Earth courtesy of such and such technology after Marcus continued to age and die of old age, but is attacked by the mutant rogue who permanently absorbed the character's abilities and memories. Danvers' memories are restored by Professor X and an ang- angry confrontation with the Avengers concerning their failure to... Yeah, okay. No. It doesn't say anything about a coma. No, it's okay. So. It doesn't matter. No. Anyway, so I would like to see Mystique in... Uh, Miss Marvel or a Captain Marvel film and then people would be all like what? Mystique? What is that? and then we'd see Rogue and then that would be an awesome cliffhanger mm. for the end of that and then and then we get all these characters appear in X, Y and Z and then we have a film with just Professor X similar to you know what Marvel did with their universe just yeah. do the same with the X-Men yeah, yeah and just slowly into the same world I kind of feel it's difficult with the, when you have these different worlds that's not difficult it's just that it, it raises questions in people like me uh, you know surely if these this world of X-Men and mutants exist they would have been there fighting against Thanos I mean know? yeah and yeah. yeah I mean I've always felt even in the comics that there's a slight disconnect between the X-Men world and the rest of the Marvel world just because things happen in the X-Men world that are, like the whole concept of mutants this is why I think the X-Men are fundamentally so much more interesting than any other superheroes is that the origins aren't anything about like you know radioactive no they're just this is the way I was born and because they are othered from their you know from their as soon as they're revealed it creates just so so many interesting storylines then because there's some people who hate them because they are then there's other people in their community that hate humans and then Mm -hmm. the X-Men are just stuck in the middle and that just is why I think X-Men make such are mutants make such interesting storytellings but then if you're using I like i mean it's really kind of marvel looking at racism and discrimination and then saying okay how can we work this into a story and kind of capitalize yeah. it and tell stories about people and yeah you know, racism I, and all the rest of it i don't know how how purposeful it was like I think Stan Lee said when he when he was inviting inventing the X Men at this stage Fantastic Four were huge and Hulk was huge Spider Man he was like oh how am I going to come up with our powers and then he was like well sometimes frogs are just born with three legs sometimes you know a thing is born with no eyes they're called mutants I'm just going to create you know five people who happen to be mutants and then that's and then it was just a, like, for him it was just a shortcut and then from then on then. The idea that, oh, because they're different, there's going to be discrimination and mm. some mutants want to take over. And then that it just snowballed from there. Yeah. But then you, you have to ask the question then, well, if everybody is really prejudiced against, you know, Wolverine and Storm, why are they all cheering you know, Spider-Man and 
Daredevil and Captain America. It doesn't quite well, add up. I don't. I know in some Spider-Man stories, has uh, you know, he's been like Jay Jameson has always made out that he's the enemy and he can't be trusted and all this kind of stuff. And why does he wear a mask? Yeah, I feel like that's the press hounding someone rather than the general consensus. Do the way I'm like sure, the, have there not been stories in Spider-Man where it's uh, people have turned against him for some reason or? Yeah, I mean, I think nearly every yeah. superhero has those stories. Yeah, but like he is, I think he is still viewed by and large as a hero and the Fantastic Four are absolutely like revered as heroes and everyone's like cheers the Fantastic Four but like there's been storylines where the X-Men are like okay guys we're gonna have to start fighting some like cosmic threats because our PR is (laughs) dreadful (laughs) and like they turn up and they fight some monster that came from the sewers and then the Fantastic Four turn up after they've beaten them and then everyone's like yay Fantastic Four and Wolverine is like Come on. <laughs> Get out of here, bub. Yeah. Before we wrap up, I had said we just come up with our uh, our own little fantasy X-Men team that we would like to see in a film. Okay, so I picked six. Yeah, okay. All right. Emma Frost. Oh, wow. Okay. Storm. I love Storm. Okay, I think ours are going to be very similar. I love Storm more since we've been rewatching this uh, X-Men, the X-Men uh, cartoon, and it's like... Winds of nature blow their ignorance away. <laughs> she cannot speak. She can only announce. <laughs> yeah, she's like an absolute I queen. I am Storm, mistress of the elements. I command you. <laughs> oh, what was the one today? It was. It was. Uh, Blind them from their prejudice. Yeah. Arctic fog. mist. Blind them from their prejudice. <laughs> yeah, that voice actress was enjoying yeah, herself. Life. The thing is, Storm is such like she's such a. Halle Berry wasn't given any of that. Uh, Storm is such an important character. She, I think, after Wolverine, she's the most second most important X Men character, and for years she was the most important Marvel female hero. Like, she was the female... She was the Wonder Woman equivalent in the Marvel franchise. Like, if there was, like, a, a poster of all the Marvel heroes, she would be kind of the mm. the, 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 the female, to, the token female, which is shit that she was a token, but she was. And and the fact that she... And, she was, and she, she's also black. So that was, like, such a, an important character kind of from mm. regarding, like, black characters in comic books. And to see her in, she she might she, you could erase her from any of the other X Men films, and nothing would change. Yeah, Halle she, Berry. You could take Halle Berry out of those movies, and who would give a shit? She has no presence, and that's 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 uh, that is obviously evident then that those films were being made by people who just didn't really know or care about the characters that much. I, I mean, I think the big issue with those films is they're Wolverine films and company. Like every single one has Wolverine as a main character. And Wolverine is great. I love Wolverine. But, you know, I would be equally annoyed if any other character got... Like every film he's the protagonist in. Yeah. And uh, apart from the the, the ones with... The the, newer ones. The newer ones, uh, yeah. But anyone that that Hugh Jackman is... She's in Apocalypse. Yeah, she's in Apocalypse. She is. She's a crony. She's one of his... Like, she's a crony. Like, that's... like Storm is such a... Her, her character is so noble and so pure and like almost there's a divinity almost aspect to her I don't necessarily know what the key is because I do think whoever plays her has to have this commanding presence mm. 
I don't think in real life you could get away with that storm. <laughs> I'm a, you know, this yeah. kind of camp stuff. But there, I, there is an actress who's cleverer than me who will study that character. <laughs> there is an actress who's cleverer than me. <laughs> no, my point. No, you know what? My point is, there's a way to do this, and some yeah. actress who is more clever than yeah, I am I will study the character, will read the comics. And we'll I'd go for it. I would just be like you. Yeah, yeah. At the same time, you don't want her to be because Halle Berry underplayed Storm, but she like camped up Catwoman, and that wasn't any good either. So Halle Berry just shouldn't ever play another important. But all you'd need, you'd need her just walking. Like they'd say, Storm, can you do something? And her walking towards the camera said, "They will be." blown back by his tornado <laughs> force or something you know and then just shoot up in the air and yeah. do something yeah, yeah I mean they, they, they need to bring that back yeah. that's awesome okay my next one was Nightcrawler okay because I, I really liked Nightcrawler from X-Men 2 yeah Alan Cumming was great Not in, so our, our team is almost the exact same these three uh, okay I think my I have two here that okay. you won't have one of them was Wolverine then I had Wolverine okay okay. And Wolverine's great I love Wolverine yeah. Uh, Gambit Okay uh, Very underrepresented in the films We only have him in one There's only one, see- one scene really Of one of the films I always liked Gambit In uh, the cartoon When I used to watch it as a kid And I think there was two reasons Firstly I kind of thought His accent was cool He's kind of sexy And second reason he's, was He's kind of he sexy He is a sexy cartoon character yeah, He is sexy Despite I mean It takes a very special type of man To wear a purple <laughs> Uh, tank top with like a cowl some sort of cowl yeah, yeah and, and like, like a, a brown ca- yeah kind of a khaki duster R- red eyes still very sexy also when he's not wearing the cowl you realise he's got a mullet ponytail <laughs> still, still sexy sexy <laughs> it's the accent yeah. mon ami and my last one again coming from the cartoon uh, I always had a an affinity for some reason with Jubilee, so I put in Jubilee. Jubilee, yeah. I always thought she was. I always felt that she was. She was kind of portrayed as a weaker X Men in the TV. Oh yeah, the cartoon because yeah. she well she's young, but I always felt that you know she would one day have this big you know power that she would like. Uh, save the day with or something like, you know like yeah she'd get emotional and then blow up she, and, and the comics have stated that yeah she has potar- she has potential to be like subatomic and have powers similar to havoc so yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah. well and you we said emma frost first but why her because i feel like i wouldn't have thought you knew emma frost that well i knew her from the the new movies which i know you said is a bad representation of her but i felt i wanted a telepath I felt I wanted a telekinetic. She was telekinetic. No, she's not telekinetic. And yeah, I would maybe do Emma Frost or maybe Jean Grey. Yeah. I would probably go with Jean Grey. I would prefer to have a telekinetic person. And also she turns into Phoenix. So if she was on my team, I would just win. So there you go. So this is kind of like almost a confessional in like X-Men universe. But I'm not the biggest Jean Grey fan. Okay. I just I find I find Jean Grey. So myself and Brian Lennon have had mm. plenty of X Men nerd arguments before. I find Jean Grey a little bit wet as a character, and I feel like the only real interesting things that she's done are Phoenix related, 
and the dark phoenix and the phoenix saga and the dark phoenix saga are like amazing stories and she's fantastic in them but she's died so many times and come back to life and and i also find scott cyclops way more interesting without her so i don't need jean i don't need jean you have a you have a a, a, a jingle for famke jansen who played her don't you? that's right when i saw the original x-men film i kind of fell in a little bit in love i had a, a total crush on famke jansen yeah. and and i thought i liked jean for a while and then I read the comics and I was like, no, it's Famke. And I wrote a, yeah, I wrote a song for Famke. I'm not going to sing it on the Why? podcast. <laughs> I love thee, Famke. <laughs> Famke, oh Famke. I love you, Famke. I want to be with you now. No, I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> no, I haven't had enough wine. I want to be with you today. I um, really want to be able to float a pen. <laughs> <laughs> like you. I'm not going to say it. You just have to trust me. If you want to hear it, buy me a few drinks on a night out sometime. Yeah, yeah. Famke Jansen's great. Unusual choice for Jean, I will say. I would. Yeah. At the time, I just. I actually didn't think in the first two maybe she did much or she was that interesting, but I thought she played the Dark Phoenix decent. She didn't do anything about third film. She just stood there and had a sour face. Yeah, kind of had. Kind of had these. I actually think she's great in the first film. I think she's great in the first film. Yeah. I mean, power-wise, as weak as a kitten, but. I li- no, I did. I liked her. I thought I liked her in the first film. I liked her portrayal of Jean. Yeah. I've always found Jean kind of a polite, modest, like a polite kind of slightly reserved character, and I thought she played that with well. I, I was surprised that um, in the last, oh, well, sorry, in Days of Future, not the last Days of Future Past, uh, when they had the new X Men, and then they obviously brought back the original cast or some of them at the end. Your man Scott is there for eight seconds, <laughs> and Famke Janssen's there for thirteen seconds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a cameo, really. A cameo, and yeah, I'm surprised they agreed they to come agreed back. They agreed to that. Yeah, I mean, it's not like and also either of them are setting the world on fire with their roles. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I was going to say in this universe, so he Wolverine goes back in that movie. This is again totally off topic, and I think we're going to do X Men again at some point because we're probably going to do comic books or something. So don't want to go into too much detail. Anyway, in that movie, which one now? Days of Future. Days Past. of Future Past. Yeah, old cast. You yeah, X Men one, two, three. So yeah. Wolverine has killed Jean Grey, and then all hell breaks loose and whatever. He then gets pushed into the past. past. Sorts it out, comes back, everyone's alive. Yeah. So, at this point, has Gene not turned into Phoenix? Or has he gone back in time so far that it's before he killed her? I think the implication is that had he stopped Mystique from killing Peter Dinklage, then the whole rage against mutants might have escalated the way it did. And she never became Dark Phoenix. Therefore, Stryker wouldn't have had that whole thing in X2 and she wouldn't have died from the dam and she wouldn't have come back to it. I mean, the whole Phoenix thing, the whole thing about the great thing about Phoenix in the comics is that she comes back as Phoenix and like two years later becomes Dark Phoenix. Like it is a there is like other storylines happening where Jean with this incredible power of Phoenix is 
on their team, a huge amount of muscle on their team, and is being a little too vindictive to some of their enemies. And they're kind of like, hang on here, Jean. And she's like, oh, no, yeah, you're right, you're fine. Mm-hmm. And and then she's manip- and then some other people realize this, the Hellfire Club, and they then try to take advantage of her. And they're, that's like a whole storyline. And then it's just that she defeats them, but she is so enraged by what they've done to her that the dark phoenix consumes her and she becomes so like it's this huge saga it's a it's brilliant comic book right it's like the it's incredible storytelling and i think yeah the the phoenix was a mystical space force was it yes yeah because in the new movies in age of a so jean is incredibly powerful and uh charles has been trying to help her but she has her she has the phoenix powers and that's what kills Apocalypse. Spoiler alert for all these movies, by the way. And then the mist. Then they go into space in the Dark Phoenix to save something. And then this mystical space force goes into her, and then she becomes Dark Phoenix. I mean, I think if they're doing to reboot this, and they want to do Dark Phoenix, personally, I think they should just not do it. There's so many other X Men stories. We've had Dark. We've had the Dark Phoenix story now twice on film and I don't think it's really worked either time personally but if they want to do it it has to be like the the way they've done the Infinity Stones they need to have like six X-Men films where yeah. she dies at the second one she comes back as Phoenix she's a, she's a, she's perfectly normal in Phoenix there's X-Men 3 and X-Men 4 and there's she's in some big Marvel crossover film and then something happens and she becomes Dark Phoenix and that should involve the Avengers that should involve like everyone that should be a big Marvel but you know it's I've seen enough of it I don't need to she could be one of the big bads maybe for Marvel's but, yes phase 20 or something absolutely I think she yeah. needs to be like the Dark Phoenix like literally ate a son that's how powerful she is and she destroyed an entire civilization of like uh, benevolent aliens and, and then she's put on trial for like genocide like it's this whole big thing anyway so I uh, yeah anyway that, yeah that's so tell us your six okay so my, I wanted Emma Frost but not Emma Frost on as in a field member I want her to be the Charles Xavier role where she's kind of being fabulous in her in the mansion or she's Emma Frost is so much more interesting than Charles Xavier I think and she's kind of taken a similar role to him in future and she had a relationship with Cyclops for years which again made so much more sense she's a really really good dynamic to have in the in the X universe and she was she looked fantastic January Jones January Jones that's who played her oh yeah she looked just like Emma Frost I think she was but she was dead behind the eyes yeah she She didn't do anything with her and she was also a minion Emma Frost has never been a minion. That's Emma Frost is one of the smartest, most cunning characters in the X Men universe. And they had the the, la- the ending credits of that is Magneto going to her for like a partnership. And I was like, okay, this film didn't need love, but we're going to see Emma Frost again. We never see her again. So disappointing. Yeah, the next film was Days of No, yeah, Days of Future it was Past. Days of Future Past, and, they, and there's they, a they passing. Just, they they allude to a load of people dying. She's dying and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so so she's going to be my not on the field. In my field, we have Storm because obviously you can't have an X Men team without Storm uh, and Nightcrawler. 
I think we, Nightcrawler, one of the great things about him is that he like looks all nightmarish, but he's really happy-go-lucky. I yeah, think that's he's, lovely. he's religious. He's religious, but he's not like Catholic guilt. He's like he's he's like a really happy-go-lucky mm. character. It was interesting in the New Mutants because that's what we're meant to be talking about. That uh, Rain was very religious, and she was young, um, mm. but obviously, yeah. yeah. So yeah. you don't see that much anymore. You wouldn't, you know. No, yeah. I mean, I guess when these characters were invented, it was yeah. another time. But yeah, but I like Crawler's religion has always been reflected in a really positive way. So like, I like that. And there was a terrible storyline. Oh my, it was one of the worst X Men storylines where this evil church wanted to make him pope and then expose wearing an image <laughs> inducer and then expose him as a demon because then everybody would turn against the catholic church uh, it was just it was silly, silly uh the next person i would have is shadow cat who's okay. kitty pride who apparently should have had this uh steadfast or something doll that was in the new mutants yeah we never talked about lockheed yes lockheed lockheed so lockheed so Kitty Pride went on this big adventure in space and met this little dragon called Lockheed. He followed her back a few years later and is like her, her sidekick now and he breeds fire and stuff. So to see suddenly Lockheed be given to magic was kind of like... Oh. But why would they do that? Why would they make that choice unless maybe there was reference to something in the comics? Or I really just think it was Lockheed as a character in the comics that people probably were asking for and... I did, I have to say, I did think it was fun that, like, she had a puppet, even though know, I thought that was a bit stupid at first. Mm. I did think it, it was alive. clever that then, oh yeah, okay, she could magic it to life in mm. the limbo. I thought that was, that kind of worked all right. But, um, yeah, no, but for, for my version, I just wanted Shadowcat. I think her power is so simple, like, she can walk through walls, but they've, writers have used it in such fun ways. Um, I actually thought Elliot, formerly Ellen, Elliot Page played played her in X great job really small role but she really I liked her his portrayal they of, um, uh, Pride. they they used her power actually quite smartly um, like when they jump off a building and she kind of she goes into the ground, and then, ground. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah, comes yeah. back up and whoever she's holding goes never do that again she defeats Juggernaut. Yeah, like using her kind of her wits. Her wits. Yeah, yeah. Her, uh, and there's loads of scenes in the comics where she's like she'll like bring her hand through a wall and grab someone and then pull them back into the wall and she yeah she's and she's kind of put her hand into people's chests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. she's yeah. Uh, then I'd have Rogue, post getting her powers. Rogue was just I forget Rogue was in the original three films. She's yeah. No, another character no, they didn't really a nothing character yeah. and she even if they take away her like her power like she's so much personality in the cartoon so much personality and even if they took away her her flight and her strength she was she was just not a fun character to be around mm. Mm. uh then i'd have north the, the, my last two are kind of more left field characters i have north star who's the canadian gay lad gay lad mm. yeah he can like go really fast he was in an X-Men for a very short amount of time in the early 2000s and I, I thought he was fun. And then my last one would be Maro. What can he do? Maro's a girl. She's, uh, she had her like bones oh, protrude bones to her skin and she can like rip them out from using as weapons. And that she was a, a guy character. in the yeah. X-Men movies. Yeah, it was, yeah. So that's my fantasy X-Men yeah, fantasy I wouldn't X-Men mind team. having like, I, I wanted, I would have had, you know, Beast and Wolverine and Colossus and Iceman, they'd all be cool. That'd well. be a fun, like if you could do like fantasy football, you could have fantasy X-Men and then you could have these sort of 
theoretical battles and all this, and mm. then people would win and get points and all that. I'm sure there's been plenty of stuff Probably like all that. that kind of stuff goes on. Yeah. I wouldn't even mind for the X-Men reboot if they just had the original five X-Men. That would be mm. Gene, Beast, Iceman, Angel, and Cyclops, and Professor X. And just, and, and, and you know, hold the Wolverine card back a bit. Yeah. You know, hold, it'll, you, you're going to make a lot of money with the first X-Men film. Yeah. Regardless. And then produce Wolverine. Uh, anything we, else to say about New Mutants or anything? Not really. Mm. Not really. Not great music. No. Not I great mean, cinematography. Nothing interesting about the costumes. Direction wasn't great. Just regarding music, I mean, the X Men theme is so fun. Oh yeah. I cannot wait. Well, maybe they won't do it. But if I was in, if Kevin Feige, if you're listening, <laughs> you need to get get a modernized version of the old tune and have Wolverine jumping over, chopping some of the Sentinels' head off, and Storm zooming past on lightning, and then we got the Cyclops blasting, and we just have that. I feel if you've been listening to our most recent Silver Scream episodes, you might have heard us splicing into music. I feel this is going to be one of those times when that music is going to get spliced. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, do we want to list this? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be low. It's going to be low. I would almost say, well, let's have a look, but I'm going to say second last. I think this is better than nine. That's why I said second last. That's second last at the moment. Oh, last is Halloween, I think. Oh, yeah, Halloween three. Uh, Yeah, okay, third last. Yeah, Escape from New York is 29. It's that's better than this yeah. that's much more to offer than this yeah. I think that's a good film I think this is not a good film I think 1 to 29 are alright <laughs> and then uh, the last 30, three are shy. so New Mutants 9 and Halloween 3 are, are all not good films yeah I think yeah okay yeah fair enough so superheroes started off fantastic we have a uh, we I hate when I end up when we Wonder end up Woman, Batman out. returns at five and six, and Iron Man at nine, and then way down. Um, but why do you think? Like, so this is our last superhero. So we have given superheroes. Pr- we've placed our superhero films fairly high on our list. Now, why? Why do you think superhero films endure? Like they're like the biggest films now in the cinema are undoubtedly. Superhero films. Why? Why is that? Um, I think they are. I think there's a few reasons. They can be great stories. They can be complex stories. They can have complex characters with good backstories. With um, you know the kind of standard stuff that makes people want to go to films with uh, challenges. And uh, they are powerful people. There's challenges. They get knocked back. They have to come back and you know save the day and all that kind of stuff but they're flawed characters and they are which makes them more interesting they're aspirational as well they're aspirational for people people want to be heroes people like the idea of having powers and you know fighting evil and all that kind of stuff um 
it's got a it's got an element of sci-fi in it it has an element of fantasy in it it has an element of uh, action there's always comedy it's just they're all rounders they do they, they I mean they appeal to a wide range that you can bring your kids to them but they yeah. also appeal to adults I think superheroes we're probably the first generation who's grown up allowing ourselves to continue enjoying superheroes certainly when I was when I started collecting comics when I was 12 13. It was something that I was private enough about. Like, my close friends knew I collected comics, but it certainly wasn't something that I was blasting out in school and that I was, really, you know, I was talking about. And it was something I was... I don't know if it was because I thought it was kind of nerdy or or possibly childish. Yet now here I am, <laughs> considerably older, still a, reading a them. and 35-year-old yeah, child. Yeah, <laughs> still reading them, and, and I have absolutely no shame. So I haven't been to that many comic cons, though I would like to go to more. But something that I feel, I've always loved dressing up. Halloween is like my favorite thing. And I've not ever got into cosplay. And I don't really know why. Because on the surface, I should love cosplay, shouldn't I? Yeah, I don't know why you don't do you don't like you don't do the cosplay, but you do do you, do, you know you, you you get all your cosplay out at Halloween, I guess. I guess I have a very good friend, John Stubbs, who. Big friend of the podcast and will absolutely be on this. And he has some amazing cosplay. Though I think he's more into computer game cosplay than superhero cosplay. Well, he did, I remember he did Shredder. He did Shredder, yeah, he did yeah. Shredder. That's true. But I don't, And he likes Marvel and he loves Batman and stuff. But I think when I think of John's cosplay, I, th- it, I generally think of video games and stuff. Um, but he has... I feel like had Comic-Con's been around when I was... 15, 16, that I would have probably done it then. Mm. And maybe at this stage of my life, I'm like, oh no. But like John is the same age as me and he does it and his friends are all his age. I don't know, I don't know. I don't know why. I just, I'm, I'm not... You're not into dressing up. Not massively into dressing no. up. Even at Halloween, it's an effort. You find it an effort to get me to dress up and <laughs> I just find it an effort dressing up. <laughs> so I'm just not into it. Yeah. I just don't, I don't... They're such a lovely... Like, because when, when I've been at these cons... Like, you see all of these people dressed up in these incredible costumes. Oh, so a, creative. Incredible artistry in it and, and creativity, yeah. yeah and there's a community. Like, they're going over to each other and they're just like, oh, I love that costume. Can I have a photograph? Yeah. And, oh, that's... It. And then and then uh, there's a lot of, like, niche characters. So someone will go over and be like, oh, my God, that's I love that comic or I love that show. And then instantly they're bonding over this shared experience it's it's lovely it's a lovely community Do you remember we saw we watched not too long ago galaxy quest yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, part of that movie is they're all signing autographs at uh, uh comic cons and um they're all a bit washed up and sick of it but we were watching then uh, i think we were watching a documentary on comic cons then and there's these people dressed up as the aliens in that kind of going yeah over yeah, yeah. no that was the premiere Oh, the primary of yeah, that, yeah. yeah. I mean, Star Trek was ahead of the game. Like, like Star Trek had cons years before Comic Cons were such a fundamental. Star Trek. It started, there was there oh, was yeah. con- Star Trek conventions there were Star going Trek on. Conventions in Butlins that I went to, you know, and yeah, I, I, I. There was nothing like that for comics when I was a teenager. I. Again, I I wouldn't be into going to conventions that much, and I wouldn't have been interesting but you'd have people in the most elaborate Klingon costumes and all these sorts of things going to, yeah, going yeah, to these yeah. conventions I went to actually we both went to 
Star Trek Generations in 1994 was premiering in Tala Cinema, and some of the actors were there. Yes. Uh, Geordie LaForge, well, his name's Yes, my uncle, bro. LeVar Burton and um, Jonathan Frakes, who plays Riker, were there, and myself and my brother and mom and my aunt were there. And we later on in life, when we met, uh, turns out you were also there. Yeah, I got a I got a uh, an autograph from the from the actors, and yeah. I I remember handing them a book. It was a blue kind of copy book, and they were flicking through it, and I had like my Irish language, you know, words or whatever in it because it was a, a school copy book, and they were sort of just something to the side, yeah. kind of yeah. Mm. That that just goes to show you nowadays they would be selling photographs that they would then sign. But back then, that just probably wasn't even... I mean, it was a premiere. It wasn't like a convention. Yeah, okay, that's true. Another a premiere th- in Tala Cinema. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that you and I were both at before we knew each other that's related to X-Men is Tyler Maine, who played oh, Sabretooth yes. in the first X-Men film, did a signing in Forbidden Planet. Yeah. And I was there, and you were there, but not together. That's I, don't, th- I don't think I was at the signing, but I was... I walked past Forbidden Planet while he was there and everybody was gathered around kind of thing. Oh, okay. I had visions that we were uh, beside each other in the queue and yeah. I was like, who's that lad that's 20 years old? In this? <laughs> oh! <laughs> who's that big well, ginger lad getting I was in my about way? 13, so you would have been about 15. I just, well, I, I wasn't at it. I just remember walking past and going, that's that guy from the X-Men movie. Yeah. Uh, good name, Tyler Maine for Sabretooth. Well, there is, isn't there another, isn't Tyler Maine like a, no, that's Tyler Perry. Never mind. Anyway. Uh, so we need a look, new. That's superhero season. That's superhero season. And done and dusted. I really enjoyed it. It was really good up until the last blip. Yeah. Um, we need a new genre. Okay. Will I go first? You go first. Okay, so this one, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna go. I, I feel superheroes was like appealing to my inner child. Okay. And I don't want to stop appealing to my inner child. Okay. So I'm going to pick dinosaur films. Okay. So any film with dinosaurs or a dinosaur theme or anything to do with dinosaurs. There's that many across four decades. Uh huh. There's loads. Okay. Well, I like to think the land of before time. Um, even the King Kong films, the the original Lost World Godzilla? from like the 60s. Godzilla. No, that's not a dinosaur. It has to be based on something you know, that, that lived. There's plenty of them. Okay. And, like, there's even Dinosaur, Disney's Dinosaur. There's The Last Dinosaur. There's Ice Age, the one with dinosaurs in it. Okay, there's so what... Plenty. Which, which one are you going to pick? Well, I'll give you two guesses which one Jurassic I'm picking. Jurassic Park. I'm picking Jurassic Park. Now, there is another film I really want to do from the 80s. Okay. But I feel like, look, if we're going to do Dinosaur, we have to do Jurassic Park. That's the godfather of dinosaur films. So I'm just going to really hope that that I win the next coin toss if, if dinosaurs are picked I was going to pick um, a genre that you I think you're, going, you're going to hear it and you're just going to go oh god no go on what do you want to do it yeah I want to do it oh then Star Trek movies Star Trek movies well that's very specific <laughs> is there obviously there is 
Oh yeah, it goes across. It starts in the seventies, goes up to the twenty nineteen. Is seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands. Jesus, that's narrow. <laughs> Not even like space or like space. <laughs> All right. Star okay, Trek. well, we could go more broad if you'd like, and I could say movies which are at least partly set in space. If you want to do, I'm not going to. If you want to do Star Trek, well, I can always hold that one for another time. Well, what do you want to do? No, well, you want to do Star Trek. We'll do Star Trek. Okay, Star Trek movies. Okay, and the Star Trek movie I'm picking. Oh yeah, is <laughs> one. <laughs> uh, I'm going to start fairly recently. I think. Okay. Okay, I'm going to work this. No, I'm not. I'm going to start with the original cast. Okay. And I'm going, I think that's clever. That makes sense. It's just that because one of the one of the best original cast movies is the Wrath of Khan, which is Star Trek Two. I knew Very that. Good. Well done. Which was kind of then redone by the new cast, which was Star Trek Into Darkness, which was kind of the same movie. So I'm just wondering, should I go with that one? No, I'm going to go with Star Trek Six. Oh, the Undiscovered Country. Which is what decade? Which is the 80s, uh, ooh, 80s, I think. And will I know what's happening in that film, having not seen any of the other ones? Uh, Kirk goes on an adventure. But like, I don't, it's not like... You no, watch no, they anything. don't follow on from each other, no. Okay, okay, so um, what... And um, um, what uh, head... <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> God, I've never wanted to win a coin toss so much. Uh. Uh, oh, Star Trek Six is actually ooh, what? Nineteen ninety one. Hmm, that's worrying. Why? Well, that cuts out Star Trek Generation, Star Trek uh, First Contact. Why didn't you put the Wrath of Khan then? So maybe I'll go with okay. I'll go with Wrath of Khan. The original Wrath of Khan. The, that's from like nineteen eighty two or something. Star Trek Two. And what is the first one not any good? No, that's shite. I think if we watch, if we do this, I think we should watch the first. If we're going with Khan, I can't believe I'm saying this. That's yeah. <laughs> I cannot believe I'm saying this. If we're doing that one, I think I should. Watch, I think we should watch one and two before we record the podcast for two. Number the first Star Trek movie has nothing to do with the second, really. Oh, okay. And it's like long and not great. Okay. Okay. Fine. Okay. Um. What we could do, though, is Khan, the character, was in... The movie leads on from part of the TV show. No, I'm not watching the TV show. Well, no, only like an episode of it, where Khan was in it. So we could watch it. Well, I'm going to watch it anyway. I'm going to watch that and, you know, which was, it's the same actor that plays Khan in the TV show. All right, okay. Well, have a think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. This I feel our listenership is going to go way down. Well, you won't get Vaughn listening, I can tell you that. <laughs> um, okay, guys, so we're going... Are we going in the past with dinosaurs? Are we going in the future with Star Trek? Ooh. So heading into the future with Star Trek or Tales of Dinosaurs? <laughs> Yeah, that's okay. Work. Heads or tails? You ready? Do you want to look at me? Thing so I'm not cheating. All right, so I'll be heads then, I guess. Okay, 
heading into the future with Star Trek. Hey, so does that mean poor Amy and Curtis have to watch a bloody Star Trek? They won't like that, will they? Ah, they will. So we might we might have a new sister podcast. Sister podcast about insurance. Well, <laughs> yeah, uh, friends of ours um, are setting up a silver podcast. insurers. Uh, it's going to be about insurance, but well, well, let's see. They said it's going to be very conversational, so mm. we'll see. Anyway, uh, but they're going to come on to an episode with us in the near future, um, and it's apparently going to be Star Trek one. And also, a bit of news to say is that next we're going to do a special next week yes Ashwin's going to be on with us Ashwin yeah. was on sneakers, sneakers episode, episode a few episodes ago and he's going to make his big return for our screamy awards yeah, our first annual screamy awards where we're going to award our top films of the year and when I say our it'll be literally Paul's top Connor's top and Ashwin's top there'll be lots of winners we're also going to look back at some of uh, our own episodes and maybe do a best actor best yeah. actress best actor best actress I wonder I wonder who Maisie Williams will you be a minute shot ooh uh, no I'm not voting for you sorry uh, okay well listen Connor where so what are, what are our handles there? So don't forget that you can follow us on Twitter at Silver Screamers. You can email us silverscreamers at gmail.com. You, our website is www.silver-screamers.com. You can catch us on Facebook, Silver Screamers Podcast, Instagram, Silver Screamers Podcast. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and the Apple Podcast app on your Apple device. Like us, tweet us, comment to us, email us, do whatever you like. Keep it all nice and friendly. And that's about it. Thanks, guys. Bye. I was going to say to infinity and beyond. That's a different franchise. <laughs> it's live long and prosper. Silver Screamers. Oh, is that what this is?